Our gospel reading is from Matthew chapter 21, starting at verse 23. And when Jesus entered the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came up to him as he was teaching and said, By what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? Jesus answered them, I also will ask you one question. And if you tell me the answer, then I will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John. From where did it come? From heaven or from man? And they discussed it among them, amongst themselves. If we say, from heaven, he will say, why? But if we say, from man, we are afraid of the crowd, for they all hold that John was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, we do not know. And he said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. What do you think? A man had two sons, and he went to the first and said, Son, go and work in the vineyard today. And he answered, I will not. But afterward, he changed his mind and went. And he went to the other son and said the same. And he answered, I go, sir, but did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father they said, the first. Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes go into the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And even when you saw it, you did not afterward change your minds and believe him. This is the gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Those of us who live here in Summit County have a unique opportunity to encounter people from all over the world. One of those opportunities are happening this week. Our district, the Rocky Mountain District of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, is having its Pastors and Educators Conference. Our district includes not just Colorado, New Mexico, it also includes Utah, it even includes El Paso, Texas, or a big geograph geographic district. And so when we get together for the Pastor Teachers Conference, we come from all over the region. And where do people come? Right here. 
right to Breckenridge, right to Beaver Run Resort on Peak 9 at Breckenridge Resort. And I, as a pastor, uh, get to network, I guess, or hang out with all of these people from all over our district. Did you know that when we have worship on Wednesday at our Pastor Educators Conference, that Christ Lutheran Church in Breckenridge, Colorado, is the host congregation. What that means is nothing for you. Don't feel like, oh no, did I forget my assignment and <laughs> I have to do something. To... But what it does mean is that uh, I get to, during that, uh, the, the communion portion of the worship service, I get to lead the service, the liturgy at that point as a represent, representative of this congregation. Pretty cool. In fact, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday evenings, even though I live just over in Dillon, only maybe half an hour from the resort, because I plan on staying there and hanging out with people uh, late into the evenings and getting up early into the mornings and just being there, plan is to stay at Brent's house, who lives on Peak 8, so just one peak over, and hanging out there so I don't have to drive as far in the dark and uh, can just crash at that place. So it's awesome. It's great. Funny how many of my friends who live right in the front, front range, I don't see except when they come up here for the conference, but I also get to see people from all over. So, so here's the question. We, in Summit County, we have this unique opportunity to encounter people from all over the world. How about you? Have you had any recent opportunities to encounter people from, over, from around the world, whether you be someone who resides here in Summit County or whether you're someone on vacation here but realized, oh, I got to meet someone new recently from halfway around the world. Anyone? Would you, you care to share? And Paul, if Paul can give you the microphone here. Thank you. With my voice, I may not need a microphone. Um, met some folks from Lincoln, Nebraska last night. Uh, you met some folks from Texas uh, near San Antonio. And uh, then you've got some guests here behind us. I heard that they were from Texas. We've got... We're so, the front range ourselves. Yeah, so, so people from, from Texas, people from... The front range, right? People from all around, from Nebraska, all around the, uh, the, the world. Uh, we, and we get to and experience some of these, at least in this context, we get to meet fellow Lutherans, right? And so come to Summit County, you find a Lutheran church, go on the website, here it is, boom. We're, we're head, and, and we get to worship together from all around the world. Any, anyone else have maybe unique experiences recently where you've encountered people from different parts of the world? We just welcomed a J-1 visa teacher from the Philippines on Friday. Great. A J-1 visa teacher from the Philippines, right? So we have a lot of J-1s around here that whether they be teachers or they work at the resorts and they come in and they're here for predetermined uh, amount of time, 
And it's cool to see that sometimes when you go to the resorts, you'll see on the name tags, you know, Joe, Joe Smith or whatever, and then Brazil or, you know, wh- wherever they're from, right? And uh, you get to learn a little bit about their, their culture, a little bit about their experience. Thank you for sharing, Liz. Anyone else? Well, okay, Gene. Some people know. And, and Gene, can you take the microphone? Some people know that I spend some time at a craft brewery. It's called Broken Compass. Most re- I always meet people from around the country and occasionally around the world. I think some other people have visited that brewery. Yeah. What's good about it is that you can uh, find out where they're from. They found out that I live here during the summer. Lots of them uh, know about open arms and this congregation. Because somehow or another, I have a way of putting it into conversation. I love I it. They go to church, et cetera, et cetera. Just You're fine. That's right. You're fine. So thank you for sharing that, Gene. And yeah, and we have an opportunity when we see these other people from all over the world to talk about Jesus and his church in this place. All right. You're getting ahead of me, though. So we'll come back to that. Hopefully I will remember in a few minutes what we're talking about. But today we are starting kind of a new sermon series, mini series. We're still going through the book of Matthew like we've been doing this entire church year. But this uh, time, we are going to be spending time in Matthew's chapters, chapters 21, 22, and 23. The name of the series is As You Encounter the World. And what we see in Matthew chapters 21, 22, and 23 is that Jesus, he's in one place, Jerusalem, but he encounters different types of people from all around the world. People like the chief priests and the elders and the Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees and the Herodians. Some of those maybe you've heard of, some of those maybe you're not as familiar with. And to be honest, we kind of blend all those together because, well, we're 2,000 years removed from that context, so we might not know exactly what's the difference. We're going to take some time throughout these next six weeks to look at these different individuals from these different groups and the way that Jesus encountered them and the way that it speaks to us who follow him today. So today we're in Matthew chapter 21, our scripture reading from earlier. And our text starts out with a question. Chief priests and the elders. So of that group that I listed just a minute ago, specifically today we're, we're talking about the chief priests and the elders. All right? And they ask Jesus a question. Who gave you this authority? Now, questions can be innocent But as we look at the context here, maybe that's not the case happening at this point. A little bit of context. Where are we 
in Jesus' life. This is Holy Week. This is Jerusalem. The day before, what had happened? The day before was Palm Sunday. Jesus came marching in, well, riding in, on, on a colt, on a donkey, into Jerusalem. He walks into the temple. The crowds are shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna! Blessed be he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna to the son of David. They're going crazy for him. They're, they're laying down their palm branches. They're laying down their cloaks. They're singing. They're celebrating. Son of David. What does that mean? It means Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is King. That's what they are saying. And when he comes into the temple, he does something <laughs> that would get maybe some people in a little bit of a, a trouble. He turns over the tables and drives out the money lenders. He exerts his authority as the Christ, as the Messiah. He then does something else that requires authority. He heals people. And now, today, probably Monday, Jesus comes back into the temple after sleeping the night over in Bethany. He comes back into the temple, and now he is teaching. He's teaching, as Matthew tells us at the end of the chapter 7, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, he teaches like one with authority. And so, the chief priests, they have this question, who gave you this authority? Because who is supposed to have, in their minds, the authority in that place? Them! <laughs> they ran the temple. They were in charge. They set the laws for sacrifices. They were having their authority challenged on their turf. And so this isn't <laughs> an innocent question. Well, who gave you this authority? Because they wanted to know. No, they, this was a question intended to, to trap Jesus. They were hoping to get Jesus to say something that would get him in trouble. Who do you think you are? Might be a better paraphrase of their question. They set this trap. And of course, Jesus, being wise uh, as he is, <laughs> turns the tables. He answers the question, their question, with a question. He says this. I'll answer your question, but first you, you answer mine. The baptism of John, three years ago. The baptism of John, down at the Jordan River. The baptism of John, where, where was that from? From heaven? 
or from man. <laughs> and here is where we really get to see the motives behind the chief priests and the elders' questions. And they're calculating. You see, they were being so calculated. But you notice in their calculations, in their discussion off to the side, in that little huddle they have, they're not concerned with what they actually believe. Was John's baptism from heaven or from man? They don't care what they actually think. Probably can infer what they actually think. But what are they concerned about? They're concerned about what people will think if they say that they believe or not. They're more concerned with not with their belief in God or what God thinks of what they say, but they're concerned about what other people are going to think about them. Oh. And you see, they fall into the trap. When we are calculating, when we as people walk through this world and we're trying to think of the, what does this person want me to say? It can get us in trouble. It can entrap us. What does my teacher want me to say? What do my friends, they just ask me a question, what do they what do they think? What do they want me to say? What should I say? What about your employer? Have you ever been calculating with your words so as not to get into trouble? This past, past week, I met a new barista over at True Blue coffee house in Dillon by City Market over there. And it was a slow day, not a whole lot of people there. So uh, I was working from there like I often do, take my laptop and work on sermons, emails, that sort of stuff, right? And so we had a time to chat and learned a little bit about her. She's from California. She's living in a, a van uh, or in a bus with her a boyfriend right now, and they're living. Um, they just kind of find where they can park, right? And so that they're exploring van life. And uh, she shared, you know, she's got a Jewish background. And she asked me what I do, and I said, well, I'm a, I'm a pastor, right? And she stops, and she says, you know, the only thing I really know about Christians or Christianity is what I see on the news. It's like, uh-oh. <laughs> but she went on and said, but it seems like there's probably cool people like yourself that are, that are Christians. And for a moment I was thinking, yeah, I, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty cool, right? <laughs> then I started thinking about it in terms of this message. And I realize I can stop short. What if I say something that she connects with those crazies in the news? <laughs> I can be a little bit calculating myself in my interactions with other people because I want people to like me. 
because I want people to think I'm, I'm pretty cool. <sighs> Lord, have mercy. Jesus, in his interaction with the chief priests and the elders, he doesn't answer their question. He instead responds to their question of authority with a question of his own, a question about John the Baptist. But we can see in that question that Jesus himself poses about the baptism of John that there's a hint of an answer, that there's a hint of the gospel. When did Jesus begin his three-year earthly ministry? At the baptism of John. Well, John says, I shouldn't baptize you. You should baptize me. Jesus says, no, let it be so now to fulfill all righteousness. And so, John the baptizer baptizes Jesus, and Jesus begins his three-year ministry. At that baptism, what happens? Jesus, through the washing of water, through the pouring on of water, is anointed by God, by his Father, who says, who declares, this, this one, him, he's the one, that's my son, he's beloved, and publicly declares the authority of Jesus. <laughs> Where does Jesus get his authority? Well, <laughs> from his father who gave it to him. That's where Jesus gets his authority. Jesus, at this time, during his discussion with the chief priests and the elders in the temple, he doesn't tell them the source of his authority. But just a few days later, not on Palm Sunday, but on Easter Sunday, he shows them the source of his authority. Jesus shows him, shows them through his resurrection. <laughs> Getting up from the dead. I mean, if someone gets up from the dead, he's got to have some authority. And that authority cannot come from man. Where does he get his authority? It's from God. And here's the thing. The chief priests knew this. They knew this. This was predicted. They knew this was going to happen. So much so that Matthew tells us about how on Saturday, Holy Saturday, between Jesus' crucifixion and Jesus' resurrection, they, the chief priests, go to Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor, and they say, he said that he was going to rise in three days. They were calculating. They wanted to stop it. They went to Pilate. Pilate allowed them. He said, fine, do whatever you want. They sealed the tomb. They set a guard. And it didn't work. <laughs> they did everything they could because they were calculating how to stop Jesus. But with his authority, it couldn't be stopped. And they still didn't believe. <laughs> Jesus, a few 
days later, 40 days later, at his ascension, says to his disciples, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus has been given his authority by the Father. Today, Jesus has the authority to forgive you your sins. Jesus has the authority to give you life, to give you freedom. When we come to the Lord's Supper, mere bread, mere wine, whose authority? God's. Because of that, because of his work in your life, you've been given forgiveness and freedom. You can follow Jesus in an uncalculated way. Jesus, in our text, tells them that the the chief priest, that the tax collectors and the prostitutes go into the kingdom of a God before you. Tax collectors and prostitutes. Interesting, because this is the only place that those two are linked together in the same sentence. Usually, it's tax collectors and sinners. So what's happening here? What does this mean? The chief priests, they work for the Jews. They work for Israel. They work for the temple. Tax collectors, who do they work for? They work for Rome. They work for the occupying force. They collect money on behalf of Caesar. So we've got that. We can see how the chief priests might not love this idea that those working for the other guys go ahead of them. But then, what about the prostitutes? Why, why does Jesus lump together the tax collectors and the prostitutes? Well, I heard this week and I read this week and it seems to make sense. Who are often the clients of prostitutes? Roman soldiers. You can see why these two are linked together. You can see why these two groups of people can be despised by the holy chief priest and the elders. And yet... It's the tax collectors and prostitutes who came to John the Baptist, repented, received the forgiveness that's found in Christ, and believed and were free to boldly confess Jesus as Lord. Today, when we follow Jesus, we're free. We, we don't have to be calculated when we encounter the world. We don't have to think, all right, what's, what are they going to think when I say this or say that? And being, un, being uncalculated, it enables two things to happen simultaneously. It enables us to be humble and it enables us to be bold. Now we don't always think, at least I don't always think of humble and bold going together. But here's what I mean. It enables us to be humble because like the tax collectors, like the prostitutes, 
Our sins are pretty obvious. We don't have to be calculating, wondering, oh, will this person think less of me because of my past, because of my sins. No, we humbly confess we are sinners. We start the worship service out with this, acknowledging we need Jesus desperately. And we can boldly confess that Jesus is Lord, that he has authority. So that we can be like the tax collector, Matthew, who was despised and hated by the religious leaders who repented, had his sins washed away, and then he wrote a book and boldly confessed Jesus as Lord. May we boldly confess in humility that Jesus is Lord of our life and Lord of the world. Amen.